turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm taking a few days off. We're running some reruns. I'll be back live on Tuesday, January the 3rd. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, December the 16th, 2022, in the year of our Lord. On December 16, 1944, the World War II Battle of the Bulge began as German forces launched a surprise attack against the Allied forces in Belgium and Luxembourg. The Allies were eventually able to turn the Germans back. In history, that is a one of the significant battles of World War II. Today in 1773, the Boston Tea Party took place as American colonists boarded a British ship and dumped more than 300 chests of tea into Boston Harbor to protest tea taxes and other taxes. Today in 1907, 16 U.S. Navy battleships, which became known as the Great White Fleet. Boy, that wouldn't be politically correct today, would it? Anyway, they became known as the Great White Fleet. They set sail on a 14-month round-the-world voyage to demonstrate American sea power. That is speaking softly and carrying a big stick. Um, I think that would be how we would kind of define that. Today in 1950, President Harry S. Truman proclaimed a national state of emergency in order to fight, quote, world conquest by communist imperialism. Today in 1991, the U.N. General Assembly rescinded its 1975 resolution equating Zionism with racism. They voted 111 to 25. Five years ago today, and this is a news story in many newspapers today, a news story in many American newspapers today. Five years ago today, two female couples tied the knot, got married, quote-unquote, in Australia's first same-sex weddings under their new legislation allowing gay marriages, following the lead of the United States. That reeks with tragedy, following the lead of the United States. Zechariah the prophet wrote, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You know, we live in a culture today that is, I I mean, we've got to address the culture. I'm a strong advocate that we stand up for Jesus in the culture, stand up for the righteousness, stand up for the Bible and biblical values. That's what we do every morning to the best of our ability on this program. And I want to thank you for your support and helping us to do that. Without you, we could not do it. We would not be here. All of us are called to do something. And this is what God has called me to do. So I want to thank you for standing with us and and supporting us and allowing us to continue to do this and to expand the ministry. There's things that I would like to be doing today in this ministry, more on the ground, 
one-on-one, reaching out to legislators and so on. And hopefully, perhaps, God will bring that to pass as our support grows. But I want to thank you for standing with us. It means a great deal to me personally. This war that we are fighting is not a cultural war per se. It is, but it's more, more than that. It is a spiritual, spiritual war. It is not by might nor by power, human power. But it is by the Spirit of God that we're going to make a difference in our world today, only by the Spirit of God, by the power of His Holy Spirit speaking to hearts and changing hearts in the culture. And I want to thank you for your support. It means more to, to me than I, can, than I can possibly say in words. I cannot express my deepest appreciation. Thank you so much. We need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. You can also contribute on our website, faithandfreedom.us. There's a tab there you can click and make a donation. Thank you in advance for doing so. Joe Biden and his allies have an agenda that goes far beyond the redefinition of marriage. It's simple. Use the government to obliterate traditional values and the social institutions that support them. It's very clear. I mean, becoming abundantly clear. In 2006, then-Senator Joe Biden ranted against the supposed irrelevance, his word, of a proposed constitutional amendment to define marriage. Define it into federal law as one man and one woman. He said, we don't need that. He was yelling. I looked at the video. He was yelling. He said, we already have a law. He yelled, it's the Defense of Marriage Act. I voted for it. Boy, how things change. That was 2006. 16 years later, now, President Biden stood on the White House lawn this week, and he bragged that he had finally enshrined same-sex marriage into federal law. He also bragged, I mentioned this yesterday, that he had sort of turned the heart or accelerated the heart of Barack Obama to change his mind about marriage. From believing that it's between a man and a woman, he had said that many times as president, to, well, whomever you love, that's what marriage is all about. President Biden, now 16 years after he declared that there was no need for a federal law regarding marriage of any kind. He stood on the law on the lawn of the White House and crowed. He said, quote, today is a good day. I'm quoting him. A day America takes a vital step toward equality, liberty, and justice for everyone. A vital step? Not the final step. A vital step. I wonder what's next on Biden's slippery slope. That's what it is. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what is next. Here they come. The Oregon Department of Education, DOE, is set to spend $2 million on a campaign to launch pro, these are their words, LGBTQ2SIA plus curriculum, teacher training, and pride events. You say, wow, sure glad I don't live in Oregon. Well, it's not only in Oregon. It's elsewhere, but this made the news, so I'm using this as the point of what I want to talk about today. But a lot of school districts are doing this now. Do you think $2 million 
to us to school districts who are always saying they're they're understaffed and underfunded do you think that doesn't look good of course it does and they're all in and unfortunately too many in higher education well even grade school are committed to this agenda and it's not to educate the children it's to indoctrinate them the Oregon DOE is offering two million dollars every two is uh, every two years in grants to leftist, pro-LGBTQ plus organizations that will craft politically motivated curricula, professional development, and events for students that promote gender ideology. The activists have formed an alliance with education, intent on breaking the resistance to their agenda and avoiding any parental involvement in their programs. They're infiltrating every public classroom in America. Oregon State is the latest, and it's their their foot is to the, the pedal to the metal. I mean, they're all in. It's full throated. They're infiltrating the classrooms of America. They're infiltrating the minds of our children. Parents and conservative Christian public officials are reacting a little slowly. Some of us have been talking about this for quite some time, but. Thankfully, we are beginning to wake up and respond. I want to talk to you a little bit about what they're doing. And again, if you you say, well, boy, I'm sure glad, sure glad I live in, you know, Washington State or whatever. Uh, it isn't, this isn't just Oregon. Oregon is just the example that we're using today. The plus sign in this whole thing, this LGBTQ2SIA plus, I, I can't believe sometimes the things that I'm saying. It's accurate, but I can't believe that that's where we are. That's what the president was talking about. He said, this is a vital step. A vital step to where? Well, what we're talking about today, that's the vital step that he wants to take. And after that, there will be another vital step. There is no end game with the progressive, the humanist. It's never enough. Reparations. California is saying they're going to write a check for, what was it, $233,000 to everybody in California that who is an ancestor of a slave or something like that? I mean, what will be next after they write the $233,000 check to somebody who doesn't even know all that much about his ancestry, but he figures out or she figures out how to tell the government, yeah, yeah, my, I had a great, 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 great uncle who was a slave, my mother, t- or whatever, and they get this check. What's next? There's never any redemption in humanism. Redemption only comes in Christianity in the belief system of Christianity, because Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross. But in the humanist religion, and it is a religion, there is never any redemption or forgiveness or restoration. You are continually beaten and pushed and shoved and infiltrated by a world, a Marxist cultural worldview, anti-God absent of God. And that's what we're looking at here today. This is not about who you love and getting married. I mean, that's the vehicle of the moment. But something will else will be presented after this has become not so useful to the left. I mean, that's what this is about. It is a spiritual warfare. It is not a cultural warfare. I, I, I wish I hear Republicans so often, and I'm, I vote Republican, most all of, I mean, I don't vote for a Democrat. I've never seen a Democrat in recent years that I would vote for. I'll, I'll just tell you that out, just flat out. 
But sometimes I just can't vote for some people, uh, and they're Republicans, but not many. And I'm sure you've had some pauses yourself. I hope you have in some cases. But by and large, they represent the best of what's available to vote for, and we should be voting. We have a right, we have a, a, a constitutional right to vote, and I believe we have a responsibility to God because he's given us that opportunity. But the whole process of this is never about what it's about. It's always about the next thing, about where this can take us. That's why they call it progressivism, because it never arrives. It never gets to where it should be. Nothing is ever settled. Nothing is ever reconciled, because the usefulness of, of an issue is what they have. They don't have an end game. They don't have policies that actually help people, that that, that bring about goodness and, and mercy and righteousness and all of that. Their, their agenda brings about confusion because in the context of confusion, they can advance their agenda. That's why Biden's words were so, so telling, so revealing. It's a vital step in marriage, a vital step. So what is the next step? You marry your pets? I mean, I don't know. But that's where we are. Anyway, this presentation, Oregon has bought into it, or the Oregon State uh, Education. There's a slideshow presentation that presents this, and I included this in an article that I wrote on our website today, published it on our website today at faithandfreedom.us. I would encourage you to check it out. There's a lot of information there, much more than I'm able to talk about on the program today. But check it out, particularly if you live in Oregon and you have kids or grandkids or whatever. But keep in mind, this is not just in Oregon. It's everywhere. They're trying to do this. And they're saying so out loud. I mean, they're not, there's no pretense of like, well, this is an experiment in just one state because it's so extremely liberal, progressive, as they like to say. It isn't that. It's it's everywhere. And I'll, we'll get to that in a moment. But... The slideshow I link and it, it it shows you the whole program and it's the it is the slideshow that is presented in the schools to the teachers and so on. But anyway, this plus sign you you might see all these letters as LGBTQ2SIA plus blah blah blah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I'm over forty and I can't hardly remember what all those letters stand for, and I guess every, other people can't either. But anyway, they say the plus sign is said to stand for quote, myriad of additional marginalized gender identities, expressions, and sexual and romantic orientations. Your kid says, goodbye, mom or dad, and heads out to the big yellow monster outside, jumps in and rides to school and uh, sits in the classroom. And you're think, you think they're learning how to add numbers, you know, two plus two equals four. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. That's not what's happening. They're learning all of these things. The plus sign stands for a myriad of additional marginalized gender identities. The B is expanded. This is right out of the curricula. The, the B is expanded beyond bisexual to include pansexual and polysexual. Whew. The presentation goes into detail regarding the grants, explaining that they, will be, they must be used to support inclusive teaching practices, as well as teacher preparation programs and professional development. The grants will also go towards an inclusive and affirming curriculum, as well as safer affirming spaces. 
Programming from a grant partner must fulfill certain requirements and support culturally responsive pedagogy. I'm reading from their instructions. And practices from early childhood through post-secondary education. It also must support the development of culturally responsive curricula from early childhood through post-secondary education. Some of the project examples that are given in this slide presentation include regional affinity group to improve social-emotional support for LGBTQ2SIA plus school staff, as well as plan and host GSA Pride Club events. Other sample projects like purchase flags or posters to increase visible LGBTQ plus plus whatever support and develop or purchase LGBTQ, etc. exclusive curriculum. That's what this grant is to be used for. The slideshow goes on to explain that each grant guarantee is eligible to receive up to 200000 while total grant funding is $2 million per biennium. Eligible applicant includes school districts, public charter schools, post-secondary institutions, as well as culturally specific organizations and community-based organizations. I suspect that could be some of the community-based organizations are the ones that are pushing this on the one hand because they're the recipients of this spent money. They are also eligible to receive some of the money. That... Anyway, the Oregon Department of Education's website also gives a detailed overview of the same thing. I mean, this is not like a misrepresentation of something. The Oregon Department of Education's website affirms what I'm saying. They say of their, quote, LGBTQ2SIA plus student success plan. That's what they call it, success plan. The plan lists several key terms, including queer gender and two-spirit. They're said to reflect complex indigenous understandings of general gender roles, and this will be taught to the kids, of course, spiritually and the long history of sexual and gender diversity in indigenous cultures. Do our kids really need to know what the Indians were doing in their teepees? I mean, honest, I don't think so. Neither do you. We know better than that. Several of the terms and pieces of data used in the report came from the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network, GLSEN, G-L-S-E-N, that's the acronym. They've been active for a long time. They were active when I was a youth pastor. People weren't taking them as seriously now. They, they're kind of a leader. They're the, the champion, the warrior at the front of the parades, so to speak. Well, their aim their aim has always been and is, and it's stated. I mean, they say that. They're not even, they, there's not, not even a pretense now. They just say, yeah, that's our, our goal, is to embed a gender-affirming curriculum in schools across America. The organization advocates for males to be able to use women's restrooms and play in women's sports and on and on and on, many things we've talked about on this program. Man, this is not the schoolroom you went to, is it, if you're over 40 or so? Things have changed. And I, I know there's a temptation to be overwhelmed by this because we look at what's happening out here and it, it, we say, man, I, I don't get this. It wasn't that way when I went to school. You got in trouble for shooting spitwads or pulling the girl's hair that sat in front of you, the front, the desk in front of you or whatever. Man, we're way beyond that. These vital steps that Joe Biden was talking about have been taken by activists now for the last generation. 
And we've gotten to a place that is very serious. It's not only destructive to the culture, but it is something that God takes very seriously because this is a war not only culturally for the minds and hearts of our children, it is a war against God who created life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and a culture that works and people that know their maker in a personal relationship through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. This is a war on all of that. This is That's what it's about. I think public education, as, we, as we've known it, is, in my opinion, pretty much lost. I don't know how we can turn it around. It can be. God can do anything. But I know for sure that we are called to take a stand and where we can to make a difference. There are a lot of people now talking about creating some kind of a parallel system to public education. It would be tough, but it can be done. I'm optimistic, but I'm also realistic. This has become a petri dish of cultural and social experimentation. That's what our kids are sent off to every day. Please think about what you're doing when you send your little kids to public school. These are I'm not looking for these way out, weird experiences. This is the mainstream of public education today. Believe me, it is. And it's not just in Oregon. It's in many places, in most places across America. In states where there's conservative leadership, they're resisting. They're fighting back. They're not taking the money. But people that are lukewarm or far left, they'll take the money. They'll take any money they can get. It doesn't matter. And in some cases, the leadership of education are activists. 18 attorneys general, led by Montana's Austin Knutson, they filed an amicus brief with an appeals court in support of parental rights in a school case. There's a case that they have focused on, and um, they have it was filed by Parents Defending Education (PDE). It's against Linmar School District in Iowa, and it's it's about all I've been talking about. But they have chosen that one to file a lawsuit against, and now other states are joining that suit by filing an amicus brief. They're represented by Alliance Defending Freedom. PDE sued the Northern District of Iowa Cedar Rapids Division in U.S. District Court in August. They argue that Linmar's policy to withhold information about children from their parents is unconstitutional. The heart of this is the program I've been talking about now that is just being instituted in Oregon. That's the basis. Same thing. The PDE asked the court to issue a preliminary injunction to halt the policy while the case progressed. District Judge C.J. Williams denied the request in September. But the case now is before this St. Louis-based Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. So far, the AGs, all of them that have joined this, the Attorney General, State Attorney Generals, and 47 organizations have filed briefs in support of PDE including First Liberty Institute, Liberty Justice Center, Institute for Free Speech, and Moms for Liberty, and the Justice Department and Parental Rights of Iowa. Parents have a fundamental constitutional right to direct the upbringing and care of their children. Social policies cannot intentionally leave parents in the dark about the child's mental and emotional well-being, is what they're saying. That's a quote from their, their filing. The courts must step in to protect these kids, Knudsen says, and stop the violation of parental rights at the hands of woke school administrators. 
The attorney generals are, quote, pushing back against woke school administrators who are encouraging students to transition sexually, gender, without their parents' knowledge or consent. This Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson, he's a winner. He's a Christian. He's a very sharp lawyer and an and a excellent attorney general. He's part of this coalition. Joining Knutson and Paxson are attorneys general from Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nebraska, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, Virginia, and West Virginia. Notably, Washington, Oregon, California, the left coast, as we are often referred to, are nowhere to be found on that list. Of course not. The AGs asked the court to reverse the Williams decision, arguing Lynn Marr's policy causes, quote, immediate and irreparable harm to parents by withholding information on their child's gender identity. Lynn Marr's policy violates parents' fundamental right to direct the upbringing of their children, this lawsuit says. Perhaps the oldest of the fundamental liberty interests recognized by the Supreme Court, they argue in their brief, the policy inflicts immediate and irreparable harm on parents by withholding information about whether their child has taken any action concerning his or her gender identity, leaving parents completely in the dark about their child's mental and emotional well-being. Lindmar's policy is emblematic of an alarming national trend of left-wing school districts attempting to interfere with the vital role that parents play in the child's development, Paxson said, the AG from Texas. He said allowing these young students to make life-altering decisions about their so-called gender identity without alerting parents is not only extremely damaging to the students themselves and to the entire family unit, but it is also unlo- it also unlawfully violates parents' foundational right to raise their children. And that's what's at the heart of this. The state wants to take your children and raise them emotionally, spiritually, culturally, sexually. That's what this is about. And you can trace these kinds of intentions straight back to the likes of Lenin and Marx and Engels and all of these guys. One of their main tenets of how to bring about Marxism, cultural Marxism in this case, is to give me one generation and I will change a nation or a world. That was their motto. And that is found woven into the web, into the fabric of everything that Marx and Engel and all of these guys, Gramsci and all the guys that followed them with and taught their, including Pete Buttigieg's dad, who was teaching that until he passed away here a couple of years ago at Notre Dame. That's what's woven into this whole thing. And this has been setting the stage for what we're talking about right here today. The war on marriage and family is a war against God. It's not just a cultural preference. It's not just something that, well, we think this is better for the kids. It isn't better, and they know that. But they're obsessed with it. They're possessed with this whole idea and this whole notion of what they're trying to do. Every believer is called to stand for righteousness in the culture. And as I said earlier, these are these are perilous times. These are times when we cannot just stand back and say, boy, I'm just one person. There's nothing I can do. Man, if you can't find anything else to do, help me do what I'm doing. I need your help. Stand with me. And if you don't want to stand with me, stand with somebody else that's doing something. But don't be, don't, this is not the time to stand back and be silent. 
Jump in. Become a part of something. Help. Move things forward. Stand up in righteousness against these kinds of things. And then give it to God because God is in control. And he will be in control. Hey, thanks for being with me today. Have a great day. I'll see you right here on Monday.